0: Broadcasting from Terrio Studios in Glendale, California, it's time for Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. Yeah! Hello! Hello and welcome. Welcome to another episode of Epic Real Estate Investing. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. Super happy that you are here. This is the place where I teach people how to escape the rat race by investing in real estate. You see... A while back, I changed one thing, just one time, and I escaped that proverbial rat race forever. And that one thing that I changed, I changed my focus. I changed my focus from, from making piles of cash to making streams of cash. And that right there, that one little shift that changed my life forever. And if I had to start from scratch, if I had to like do it all over again, I'd do it exactly the same way. I wouldn't change a thing. And I would, I would do exactly the same way whether I had money and credit to work with or not. Because I didn't have any when I did get started. You see, while I, while I was finding my way, I, I stumbled upon 12 different strategies of investing in real estate with little to no money. And in hindsight, you know, being forced to invest that way, being forced to get started with no money or credit, I believe that made me a better investor. And I want to make you a better investor as well. So I put the first two strategies of the 12 that I use regularly... I put those two of which I believe are also the easiest and the fastest strategies to a paycheck in real estate. I've put them into a free course just for you. And you can access that free course at free.realestateinvestingcourse.com. And if you'd like to get it quicker or sooner rather than later, you want to get it right away and you're not in front of your computer, you can go ahead and text free course to 55678 and you'll get that right there on your smartphone. All righty? So I got a great show for you today. Our guest is a uh, a fellow investor from a mastermind group of which I belong. It's a very large group, and uh, he's a newer member, and I'm rather, rather intrigued about his strategy. He's very successful, and today we're going to get to know him a little better. We're going to learn about what he does and how he does it. It should be exciting. So please help me welcome Mr. Jack Bosch to the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast. Jack, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here.
0: Good, yeah. we're excited to have you as well. So um, we haven't actually got to meet, but we had a mutual friend, our our, our leader of our mastermind group put us together. And, you know, just based on the quick conversation we had uh, just before we started recording, I'm I'm very interested in in your strategy. But uh, if we could start with, you know, what was was the initial attraction for you in real estate? How did you get started? Just kind of a little bit about your background, if you could share that first.
1: Sure, absolutely. Well, first of all, my background is... uh I'm not originally from the United States. Uh, I, I'm actually from Germany originally, so you can probably tell from my accent I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but uh, <laughs> I ahead. don't look like I'll him. I'll be back. And,
2: uh, go ahead.
1: And, hello?
0: I'm yes? sorry. I, I interrupted you with a really bad joke, so go ahead. <laughs>
1: uh, no, that's, that's right. So, uh, so no, I'm, I'm I'm originally from Germany, and I, I came to this country in 1997, and uh and I got, I did what everyone did, so when, what you said in the introduction right now, in the, the intro, uh, what was really hit me on the head, because I, I, I made that switch that you made too. I, I was working in the job world, and I was really just plainly unhappy. That's my motivation. Why I started in, in something else. Now, it wasn't logically real estate for me, because honestly, I didn't have a clue about real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I'm coming from another country, I didn't even know the real estate language. I didn't really know anything about real estate. Like from the way the houses are being built in the United States, which is completely different than Europe, like not wood, but stone over there, and and just, and just I had never built anything over there either. I dealt with anything in real estate, so I was a complete newbie to the real estate world. So real estate wasn't the first answer. I looked at just any way that I could make enough money, that I could just replace that job income, uh, was basically what I was looking for, because I was traveling a lot, I was waiting for my family, I... Uh, I was a very stressful job. I worked many hours and and I just didn't like it. And on top of it I almost got laid off because I was through a, through a recession in 2000, and, 2000 2001. a small recession in the mainly in the in the uh, online technology world and I happened to work for a technology company which I don't know much about technology either, but uh, but I was there in a the business department and so I basically desperately looked for something else that I could do that that I could build up some income. I could leave my job, and and then when I when I stumbled upon real estate, and out, out of a lot of trial and error, I figured out I developed the methods that I'm used to this day, very successfully.
0: Awesome, awesome. So, when you got into real estate, the, uh, you know, did you just jump in, or did you try to educate yourself? Did you attend a workshop, read a book? How did that? How did you bridge that gap?
1: yeah I, I basically went and uh, and went online looked for some things now that was 2000 that was 1997 1999 2000 so over those years uh, there wasn't that much available online yet there were no podcasts for that matter mm-hmm. and uh, and and none of those things so it's so easy to to get educated today uh, versus back then and uh, now I went to the library I bought some books I went to Burst and nobles and and actually didn't even buy the books I read the books i I kept the books, went to the coffee shop, had a coffee, and just started reading mm-hmm. and started getting educated, first of all, about the language of real estate. What, what is a deed, for example? What is a deed restriction? What is, uh, I mean, what is an escrow process? I mean, all those kind of things that I really didn't even know what that means. And uh, and then I, um, yeah, over that process, I came across a book on wholesaling, mm-hmm. and I I, I followed that. I bought that one, and I followed it, and I, I wasn't able to pull off my first deal. I got a I got a triplex under contract. Contract that I thought was worth you know, about seventy-five, eighty thousand dollars, and in a kind of a bad area of town. And I got under contract forty-five thousand dollars, and nobody would buy that thing from me for more than that. So mm. I guess I underpriced it wrong. I, I it was the kind of property, but I freaked out. I backed out, and I couldn't even make that happen at the beginning. And then I came across of what I focus uh, now on, which is actually land, and uh, and and all of a sudden I was starting make, to make money because I focused on land deals that other people don't really focus on, and in a way that most people don't do it, and and that turned out very very profitable for me.
2: Got it, got it.
0: Okay, so the the, the wholesaling you tried that and that didn't work. So after one time you went and looked for a new strategy, and you got into land, which is. A rather unlikely path. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. I, I'm curious, when you did get started, what did um, what your situation look like with regard to your finances and, and your resources?
1: Sure. Um, well, I I was as I said, an immigrant in this country. I came to this country with student loans and still had one year of college to do to finish my college degree. So when I started looking, I was basically still in debt. I was paying paying off my debt. I just married my wife and uh, that's, wedding cost money, so I was even more in debt, and uh, and I literally had, uh, we had saved up about $3,500, and basically my wife and I said, you know what, that's the money that we have. Okay. That's the money that we're going to be willing to put at risk here, and that's the money that we're going to play with. If it's gone, we're going to move on to something else, and if we can make it more, well, great. And, uh, and from a credit point of view, I we didn't really have credit, because when you come to this country... You come with no credit. And no credit is pretty much just as bad as bad credit. Right, right, Because if you have no credit, nobody gives you credit. So if nobody gives you credit, you don't improve your credit. So we slowly built up our credit with getting a 3 uh, phase credit card for $500 to $500 in the bank. They gave us a $500 credit card. So we were starting to build this up, but we were really having very, still at that point, uh, barely any credit or if, if, if any. and uh, And that's how we started.
0: I'm sorry, there was talking going out in the hallway and I had to go hush them up a little bit because we are coming through on the microphone. Okay, so you yeah. had 3500 bucks, and you had uh, really no credit to speak of. Right. And when was it when you pulled off that first, or what year was it when you pulled off that first LAN tra- transaction?
1: Uh, that one happened, uh, I mean, basically I spent, from 1999 to 2002, I, I spent my time honestly just dabbling. I. I was working a lot. I, as I said, I got married in 2001. And once we pay, really seriously taken in the said, let's pick real estate. Real estate is going to be the path. It was the beginning of 2002. Okay. And then we still, we, then that's when, when we got that wholesale deal in the middle of 2002. And then towards the end of the 2002, but always there was always like phases where I just dropped it. And I just said, you know what, let's focus on something else. I, I'm busy at work. And, and then I, but I always came back to it. Mm-hmm. so then finally at the end of 2002 literally Christmas day of 2002 we had just sent out some some letters people had called us we had made some offers and Christmas day of 2002 which uh, I checked my voicemail and there was somebody who had said hey I accept your offer for this piece of land and uh, I'm sending in the contract you should receive it in the next few days that's awesome and so that was the first day it was the best Christmas gift ever
0: yeah, yeah I'll say um, it's funny as a is an agent, and,
1: and that deal we got for four hundred dollars. We got the piece of land with a house on each side, uh, basically a lot uh, with a house on on each uh-huh. side for four hundred dollars, no mortgage on it, no back taxes or anything like that, just plain out via four hundred bucks.
0: Well, that's an awesome deal. Where was this? Antarctica?
1: <laughs> no, it was actually it was actually a small town in Arizona. Okay. And uh, where I live in Arizona, and it was about a three hour drive from Phoenix. Uh, higher elevation, nice and cool in summer. It's mm-hmm. a pretty place that, that lots of people live in. And, uh, and for $400, bucks and we turned it around turn around and sold it to the neighbor across the street for $4,000 literally the next day.
0: Get out of here, really? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so you got your first deal, and now you've kind of combined this wholesaling thing, but now you've got you're wholesaling actual land.
1: Right. Now, it's, now we're actually wholesaling land. But the only difference that... That when you buy a piece of land for four hundred dollars, you can actually afford uh, afford to buy it, own it, and then sell it. Right. Uh, versus a uh, traditional wholesaling, I understand always works such that you never actually buy the property. You put it on a contract and then you sell it to somebody else. Right. And uh, so we, we we therefore changed the wholesaling process a little bit because hey, at four hundred dollars. I can I can I can afford to buy the thing. Hold on to it for a couple of days or a week or even a month. I can go on vacation, come back, and then sell it. Mm-hmm. And there's pretty much there's no mortgage payment that I have to make. There's no nobody can destroy the property in the meantime. There's no mold on the property. There's no foundation problem in the property. It's just a piece of land. So right. the, the owning it uh, is is much simpler than owning other piece of other other kind of real
0: estate. Right. Right. Okay. So. Yeah, by going with land, you eliminate a lot of the other ugly stuff that can accompany investing in real estate. Um, so that was 2002. That wasn't too long ago. And you found this thing no. for 400 bucks. And let, let me ask you, how did you find the deal? You, did you say you were, did, did a mailing?
1: Yes, I did a mailing. And what we, what we focus on is actually a niche within the real estate, which we focus on, uh, on properties where the owner doesn't paid the property taxes. Okay. Because uh, because we figured that first of all, I mean, the, if you look at, there's already an existing marketplace for properties where the owners don't pay the property taxes, which is our the tax deed sales and the tax lien sales, and that's actually where where we, my entry point was. I started studying that and learning about it, and I liked the fact, first of all, the fact that people don't let go of their properties, of just. Non- and, and let them be sold by the government for non-payment of property taxes just blew me away. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. why would anyone do that? This was the first question that came up to me. But fact is, there's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of properties around the country, but it happens every single year. And so, but what I didn't like was, or I mean, I liked it, but what I what I basically looked at was like, well, I don't want to buy a lien and then foreclose on it three years later, and I don't want to attend an auction where I have to deal with a lot of competition. Right. So what we basically did is we, had, we approached directly the owners of these properties and bought the properties that they would have let go for tax sale anyway uh, directly from them.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's good. So you got to got to them before everybody else did. That's right. I like it. Um, there was something that you just, are, are you still in Arizona?
1: I still live in Arizona. You're still in Arizona. This, uh, okay.
0: And are you still uh, exercising the same strategy?
1: Uh, still to this day exercising your strategy also now, uh, just like you, uh, just teaching their strategies too, to some students and so on. But uh, but I'm an investor foremost, and that's what I do on a daily basis, yes.
0: Very good. Very good. You know, I, can, I imagine that uh, back in 2002, it was especially in, in Arizona and surrounding areas, it was probably pretty easy to sell land. And uh, I'm going to ask you about, you know, once we hit 2007 and everything went kaput, and all of a sudden it didn't make sense to actually build property anymore. Um, What did that do to your business?
1: Um, Well, that's a good question. Now, the the, the interesting thing is that because we're dealing with properties on the outskirts of town, in smaller towns and also somewhat uh, to some some degree in rural areas, um, there is actually only a very small percentage of our customers, of the people that buy the land from us, are actually out to build something right away. Mm. Most of them, uh, most of the land we sell is kind of land that people want to hold on to for another 10 or 20 years because it's kind of, in a sense, in the path of growth or because it's just land that they want to go out and camp out and, and get take out the family. So It's larger acreage, 20 acres, 40 acres with some trees on them and a little creek going through it and things like that where people just want to get away and have their own campgrounds and so on. So those are actually, in a, to a degree, uh, somewhat recession-proof. Not really. Obviously, prices went down after 2007. Prices went dramatically down over land. But uh, interest of land was always there, not necessarily from the people wanting to build, but from more from the recreational buyer that wanted to buy. And um, and one of the ways we sold the property, the amount of properties we're selling with uh, seller financing has actually gone up, which is another tweak. We do it. but And one of the things that... That has made us able to to just continue selling profit properties and doing deals with with very nice profits is uh, that we we now sell virtually all our properties just online. We have a website. Hmm. Um, can I share the name on the on the on the here? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, we're gonna get to that. Uh, we'll get to all of it. Web- I,
0: want, I want to get to the nitty gritty of of your strategy.
1: Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. so No, so the is Sunnyland.com, and uh, that's just just where we sell our land to and. And basically, a lot of that land is uh, right in the outskirts of town, so perhaps a mile away from development, two miles away Mm -hmm. from development. Mm -hmm. So nobody's going to develop there right now, but people bought it up because they knew prices later on are going to come back up, so they bought it in the path of growth. So it didn't really affect us too much, interest was always there, prices obviously changed, but Mm -hmm. when prices go down, you can also buy cheaper.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay, so are you still using um, the tax delinquencies to, to find your best deals?
1: Uh, yes, we're still by using that. Uh, interestingly, though, we found that only one third of all the properties that we ever bought had back taxes on them. So uh, this also works for properties that are not delinquent.
2: Okay,
0: so you just you just pull up a database of vacant land in the areas that you want to uh, potentially buy and just send offers, send that, letters.
1: That that exactly right.
0: Got it. Got it. How many letters a month do you think you send?
1: Uh, it varies now nowadays because we have the financial means to do it. We we go on what we call buying sprees and selling sprees. Mm-hmm. So we might go and buy fifty properties, and then we turn around and sell those fifty properties, and we go buy again. But we are on a buying spree, we might sell about uh, four to five thousand letters a month, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that's enough to get uh, a good ten to twenty deals a month. Got
0: okay. it. So four or five thousand, ten to twenty deals. Right. Super. The next question I have is about land. What kind of research do you do? Where, where do you go look to determine whether, you know, that's good land to buy or not? How do you know it's in the path of growth?
1: Right. Well, you, you look at the city, and uh, if you're going to a new market, uh, number one, that the, the counties have or the cities also have, they have long-term development plans in their drawers that you can go get from from the planning zoning department or from the development department. They're usually different departments have. Uh, have kind of long-term city planning. Uh, the city planning department uh, have, they have these plans in there where they say, like, well, in 20 years we plan to be growing in that direction that far. Now, if you get these plans, you can get ahead by 10 or 20 years and go exactly in the areas where they're going to go for, mm-hmm. and then buy land there, or you just go look at it and perhaps talk to a couple of real estate agents in the area if you want to go to that level. So, for example, in Phoenix, Arizona, if I do this, if I do this here. Uh, there's a lot of Native American reservations around the city, and the city can really only grow in two directions. Mm-hmm. And if you go into those directions and you buy land there, you know the city is going to be there at some point of time. Now the question is, when is that going to be? Mm-hmm. If you're buying 10 miles out, well, it might take another 40 years for the city to get there. If you, might, if you buy two miles out, it might only take another 5 to 10 years. And therefore, the prices are a whole different. And in rural areas, it's really more, really more defined by price. So if there's a, if the overall, let's say a 40 acre parcel is, is worth $50,000 there, well, if you can buy it for under 10, you know you have a good deal. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. basically a price driven thing. Now that's obviously only the first part of the research, but all research is typically done at the end once you have the property in the contract, because um, the way we do this is we can, we have a provision in our contract that allows us to back out of the deal any time for. Pretty much any reason. Mm-hmm. So we, we put deals under contract and areas that we know sell well, and then we yeah and then we dive into the nitty gritty of each particular property and see if there's anything wrong with that particular property. And if there is, then we back out again.
0: That's a big time saver, isn't it?
1: It is a big time saver. Yeah, yes.
0: yeah. That's exactly how we teach here. Just get it under contract and do your research later.
2: Right. Exactly.
0: Absolutely good. Um, so th- then. Uh, before you had your website, how would you how would you find buyers for land? What was your process there?
1: Well, we did to set our website up fairly early, but uh, because our land is no-dollar land, our land typically is under $50,000, a lot of them are $20,000 or even $10,000 lots. Uh, we actually uh, go and uh, to this day, we still use that uh, every once in a while. Um, we use all, already existing websites, so Craigslist is a great website to sell land. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, eBay is a great website to sell land to. As a matter of fact, people don't think about it that much, but there's an ongoing basis. There's hundreds of parcels on eBay that's being sold, mm-hmm. and uh, so you can put your property just on eBay. I, I sold about 300 parcels on eBay in the last uh, wow. well, since the end of 2002. And um, but uh, but even nowadays, there's websites out there like LandFlip, LandWatch.com, uh, that are great to put your properties on there and the pieces of land out there sell them and we sell a lot of properties to land
0: watch for example Got land watch and land flip you said
1: that's
0: right very good awesome you know uh, jack when we started talking we we're going to talk about land i was expecting to hear some some really cool secrets or some new strategies or something like that but it doesn't matter what kind of real estate you sell it's really all the same when it comes to finding deals and finding buyers isn't it
1: uh, at the end of the day it's all the same all the same yeah. now obviously if you start talking about uh entitling land and and going and preparing it for building and doing land banking those things there's some entirely different strategies in that direction possible but you know what i really i I'm a, i like keeping things very very simple mm-hmm. so so therefore i just focus on getting a deal at the right price and turning around and selling it and passing the deal on to somebody else with a nice profit so if i buy something that's 20 worth twenty thousand dollars and i buy it for three thousand dollars Mm-hmm. I'll turn around. Sell it for for aid, cash, or or here's one thing that we do quite a bit, and that might be a little bit different strategy. We sell a lot of our land. for sell financing. Right. We we allow people to uh, we do no qualifying. We allow them to do low down monthly payments as well as low down payments. Mm-hmm. So a thirty thousand dollars piece of land that we might buy for three thousand dollars, will sell for thirty thousand dollars with perhaps a $1,000 down payment and a $400 a month monthly payment. So with a down payment and six months worth thing worth of payments, we got all our money back. Right. And now uh and now within half a year we get every dime of our money back and now the rest is just profit of $400 a month for the next 10 or 12 years.
0: That's super and so you figured out how to uh get cash flow from vacant land.
1: Yes, exactly. That's actually right. one of our that's exactly what I say. We made we make land cash flow.
0: I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Um, let's see. The uh, yeah, no secrets. It's just Craigslist and eBay. You know, I have a friend uh, that went and bought, uh, he bought a uh, a storage facility, and uh-huh. he thought he got this great deal. which he did because it was only like fifty percent occupied, and he saw this huge upside, and he was able to fill it, you know, with uh, with uh, tenants and clients, like up to eighty percent in just like four months. And I asked him how he did it, and he just said. I just put it on Craigslist. (laughs) It's so funny because it sounded like he was such a genius and all he did was just buy it and put the thing on Craigslist.
1: Right. Um, Now, one of the things we do is, for example, we sell quite a few properties also to the neighbor because land is a perfect vehicle to sell to the neighbor. mm -hmm. Because if there's a house right next door to it and the neighbor is the first person that's going to want to either make sure that that no ugly other house comes next to him and, and restricts his space or in his right as in his backyard. Uh, or they want to jump on the chance of doubling their backyard. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they have twice as much space. Or perhaps they want to build a house for their in-laws or a house for their parents or perhaps for their house, house for their kids. So there's multiple reasons why the, why the neighbors would be interesting in buying the property themselves. And, and we sell up to 20% of our properties actually directly to the neighbor.
0: Yeah, that's that seems very obvious, right?
1: Right. It, the, it is obvious that yes, very few people think of this.
0: Yeah. You know, the way you've explained this, this sounds like it's so easy and why isn't everybody doing it? There's got to be some challenges that come along with it. What are some of the big challenges with this strategy?
1: Well, the big challenges people have is that they don't see what. why would somebody buy a piece of property. So people have been almost brainwashed, almost taught to stay away from land. Land is considered something that is high dollar risky and really only uh, only feasible for some big-time developer that wants to spend the next 18 months putting the, going through the permitting process and preparing that land and then to spend another few years and millions of dollars building this up and developing it mm-hmm. that's kind of the the thing when when you talk about somebody about land they're thinking millions of dollars complicated uh, but the truth is, uh, is in a lot of parts of the United States, there's cheap land available. There's lots of land available. Canada, the same thing. There's, uh, there's, there's acres and millions and billions, probably, of acres available in the, in the United States that are not worth a lot. And and this is in itself like a double-edged sword, because on the one hand, this means that there's a tremendous opportunity, but the people who want to think, how why does this not work, you know, the, the eternal critics, they're going to start. They're going to look at that and they're going to say, "Well, but this is junk land. Who wants to buy junk land?" Mm-hmm. Now, well, the thing is, it's not junk land. It is just open land in many areas, or it's just land the, uh, that is currently not yet used. So uh, it requires a little bit of a different mindset mm-hmm. to just understand that there is a, a substantial amount of people out there that are interested in parking money in land, mm-hmm. or then wait for the city to approach or to buy land that they can go and get away from it all if the world comes to an end or to just people that just want to have a piece of land uh 10 acres in arizona 10 acres in california that they can go out out of the city with a family and just enjoy things most people don't think like that most people just think man land uh, I've, been, I've been taught to stay away from it because it doesn't cash flow and it's expensive yet so it's a lot of it is a perceptionist issue mm-hmm. and perhaps that's where it came in as a benefit that I came from another country because mm-hmm. I I really had no perceptions about real estate I didn't know anything right. about real estate so I didn't know what I shouldn't do right and as a result I I, I stumbled into land and I mean just to tell you we we made we, we our network went from from 3500 dollars to million to 1 million dollars in 18 months of doing
2: that's brilliant so that's brilliant
1: it's, it can go very very quickly and, and the truth is, there's millions of buyers out there that are looking for land uh, because land is yet another part of the American dream. Mm-hmm. And so so it just requires, and you can make land cash flow if it's seller to seller financing. So right. all of a sudden, virtually all the benefits of traditional real estate are available uh, if you just look at it from a different angle.
0: And you've eliminated a lot of the headaches as well.
1: Right, because there's no tenants, there's no termites, there's no toilets, there's no trash. That.
0: But you do have taxes, right?
1: You do have taxes, yes. You do have taxes, and that's why... What, uh, you do have taxes. You do have taxes, but uh, that's why uh, my preferred way of focusing on it is the flipping part. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I want to... That's why my preferred way of doing this is the flipping part, because flipping is uh, literally what uh, what allows you to get rid of the property right away? Now somebody else is responsible for the property taxes. And I only hold on to a certain amount of gem properties mm-hmm. uh, that have just in my own kind of retirement, uh, my secondary retirement plan, basically. And um, and those, yeah, I pay the property taxes. But as I said, they are those are properties that are in the, directly in the path of growth. So I estimate those to be worth much, 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 much more. Then be paying property taxes over the next ten or twenty years. Sure, it's
0: just part of your part of your calculation up front, right? Right. Exactly. Super. So so you can't depreciate land. Uh, Are there any other sort of tax benefits like you would get with traditional real estate?
1: You can't. That's correct. You can't depreciate land, but what you can do uh, is. You can't depreciate land, but what you can do is, when you sell it with seller financing interestingly, because there's a provision in the tax code that's very, very much hidden, and I don't have, actually, the exact in front of me, but if you sell it with seller financing uh, you are not subject to the IRS uh, to the IRS, uh, dealer status. That means, like, you get some tax advantages over houses, because if you sell houses with seller financing a lot of them, the IRS is going to call you a dealer, and when you're a dealer, you have to pay taxes in a much more aggressive way than if you're not a dealer. And that doesn't—that is not the case in the land area because land is exempt from that. So, so yes, there's no direct, uh, direct benefit from from depreciation or anything like that. But you still get appreciation if mm-hmm. you hold on to it. Sure. And you still get cash flow when you sell it with seller financing. And no matter the number of deals you do, as you sell and sell a finance, you only pay taxes on the cash actually collected.
0: Perfect, perfect. And because there's not, so no one's going. You're not selling a personal residence, then you're not uh, subject to the Dodd Frank and your limit to seller finance deals. Then are you?
1: That's correct too. You're not subject to Dodd Frank, right? Uh, you are. Uh, excluded from that because Dodd Frank, as far as I understand, only uh, affects dwellings, which are units from one to four, uh, like residences from one to four units, mm-hmm. but not land and not commercial. Correct.
0: Got it. Super. Okay. So, wow. H- how? What does your operation look like? How many people do you have working for you?
1: I only have three people working for me, mm-hmm. uh, plus my wife and me. So we're five total. And basically, I have a purchasing manager. I have a sales manager. And I have uh, one person that helps, kind of like in the middle on all kinds of things. And um, and then my wife and I, we're in charge of basically, obviously, giving the direction, selecting the market, making offers, and uh, and then and, and and running the other things around it. But uh, my team runs most of it. I I really only work uh, probably a couple of a couple of days a week on, on on it.
0: Huh? That's nice. What do you do the other days of the week? <laughs>
1: Well, I do see some other things. As I said, I I teach the same technique now. I uh, and I, we have a six-year-old daughter that we love spending time with.
0: That's good. That's good. Is that your your first?
1: And only? That's our first and only so far, and uh, and she is just a wonderful child. And and I just I mean I I mean I'm blessed in this to be in a situation that that we did all of this, we did the majority of this before she was born. So now ever since she's born, we can spend. Uh, extensive extensive time periods with her go travel we love traveling we go travel usually to Europe for a month of the year usually to Hawaii for another three or four weeks a year and uh, this year we're going to Australia and Hawaii and uh, and mm-hmm. just just love traveling the world traveling is traveling in family is really my two my two right. passion
0: right. that's fantastic that's what we do it for though right
1: that, that's what we're doing for right there's there's a question to ask at some point of time is like when is enough enough and uh, and and instead of some, I in doubt often. Instead of going for the next big business challenge and making yet another, I don't know how much money, I, I choose to, to spend the time with the family, and that's actually I'm, I'm I'm happily doing that.
0: That's great. So, what do you see for your, your future? Where are you headed?
1: Well, we're continuing our, our our land thing. One of the most beautiful parts about the land area is that there's virtually no competition mm-hmm. because as uh because no, as I just said before. Most people are being taught not to go off the land, and so that leaves the market up for us. And the few people that we taught this in the past, so uh, it's it's a wonderful thing. So I continue. I'm planning to continue doing that. Now I also own rental real estate because I also wrote a book last year called Forever Cash, um, available on Amazon. And and in that book, I pretty much describe um, it's, uh, it's described that that at the end of the day, it's just what you said at the very very beginning. Uh, the switch from making cash to making cash flow. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we did with land. Uh, cash flow So our entire focus. We are cash flow investors just using the vehicle of course, land to grant, generate ca- long-lasting cash flow from payments. And then, But we're also taking some of that and rolling it into rental properties. We have a whole bunch of rental properties now, and and we're expanding into some commercial properties. So real estate is my game that I'm going to be for the rest of my life because I just love it i I enjoy it. I enjoy looking at a deal. I enjoy looking at, at a piece of land I'm enjoying, even though I haven't done that for years, but I enjoy it because we don't now we buy our land sight unseen. We don't look at them anymore. But I, I love every aspect of real estate. So I I see myself continuing in real estate while 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 having a lot of free time.
0: Fantastic. Well, Jack, it, it's this sounds like it's extremely easy. Sounds like it's very lucrative. You have no competition. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are you got their wheels turning. So if someone was going to go out and try and do their first land deal, you know what what is the one thing you'd really caution them against or about?
1: Um, Well, as I said, uh, go out there, get the first land deal, put it under contract. Um, I don't offer. Make sure you get it the right price. At the very the very first time you do a deal, um, you get. You can get tied up in that excitement of that deal, and that excitement of that deal can literally make you offer too much for the property. One of the most important pieces of land is that if you want to wholesale it for cash, then typically you you, you buy it, you need to buy it at $0.25 cents of the market value or below. Mm-hmm. So I, will, I do not make offers for more than $0.25 cents on the dollar. And then when I wholesale it, I might just double the price and sell it at half, at half price. Mm -hmm. How uh, land sells a little different than houses and houses uh, you have all these uh, there's there's lending available from the banks On houses yes it's tighter now than it was 10 years ago but still there's lending available and so people get uh, can get other people's money like a loan on land fairly easily even if it's a hard money loan but on on land there is no hard outside money available so banks don't lend on land uh, nobody pretty much lends on land and that's why we do sell a financing, because we're the only ones then mm-hmm. actually able to willing and able to do that. But if you're out there for your first deal, you need to buy it right. And everyone says that, but it, this land is particularly true. If you buy it at $0.25 cents on, the, on the dollar or below, then you should have no problem selling that thing. And the worst case scenario is that you get your money back and make a little profit. Mm-hmm. If you have to sell this thing at 40% of market value for it to sell, then you still almost doubled your money. Right. So this is, a, this is a pretty good scenario. But the key number one is pricing, and in land you've got to get it really, really cheap. Mm-hmm. Because wholesale, you got to find cash buyers, but these cash buyers also want it cheap. Or with seller financing, and then if you buy it cheap enough, you can also afford to do it with seller financing so that you get your money back with just a down payment or a well, down payment and a few payments. That's the number one thing. And then obviously as soon as you have a contract, you need to check on things like environmental issues. You need to check on... Uh, on the zoning of it, make sure that it, it that it is actually buildable, that people can put something on there that is not zoned, zoned something that doesn't allow for any buildings. Uh, make sure that you check on any kind of, like, uh, other restrictions, like that, like, for example, uh, there are some areas that have, like, they're, like, almost like nature preserves where certain animals live, and make sure that your property is not in such a zoning, because, in such an area, because if it is, you can't build on it. They won't give you a building permit. Got it. That's not very powerful, not very often the case, but if it is the case, then all of a sudden your property is worth much less. So basically the research after you have it on a contract. The contract is priced. The research afterwards is making sure you can do what the thing was, that there's a the marketable property up.
0: Super. Okay, so buy right, and then uh, check environmental, check zoning. Um, sounds pretty basic, but if someone... Uh you know, wanted to instill a little bit more confidence in themselves before they pull the trigger. I understand that you now teach this. So if they wanted to learn more about you and what you do, where, where, is Sunnyland the best place for them to go?
1: Uh, Sunnyland is for them to, to, to see properties. If they want to look at properties that we're selling, uh, so just, or just get proof that we're actually doing this, you can go to Sunnyland check it out. If you want to learn more about what we do and how to do this, you can go to uh, landprofitgenerator.com, this is landprofitgenerator.com, or just simply go to jackbosh.com so that's J-A-C-K-B-O-S-C-H.com, and check things out there. Uh, or you can also get my book, Forever Cash, at uh, forevercashbook.net, or at Amazon. You can get it there. There's multiple places. If you just put in Jack Bosch, it probably comes up all over the place.
2: Perfect,
0: perfect. you got a nice, strong presence online. I like it. A progressive investor. Very good. Okay, so um, that was awesome, Jack. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. I'm sure you'll have some people coming over to, to snoop around to see what you're doing because it does sound very intriguing and enticing. I might even have my own team come over to take a look because <laughs> um, we come across land deals now and then, and I just I passed on them too because I believed exactly how most people believe. But it's uh, obviously that, that you figured it out because there's a saying that's uh, – uh, you know everything because you know nothing. So you came over here from from Germany, and you know you weren't didn't have the brainwashing that we all have here.
1: So uh, right, I mean, I I wouldn't call it brainwashing, but it's uh, but well, yeah, I said that word earlier. So perhaps brainwashing it, about land. Certainly conditioning.
0: Well, yeah, we've got that I
1: conditioning. I just I just didn't know anything, and because I didn't know anything, I I just I just moved forward, and, and in a sense, it was a blessing. Yes, absolutely. So I know what you what you're saying, and I agree with you. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Well, thanks, Jack. Um, maybe uh, in the future, we'll we'll come and do this again. But I know I'll probably see you uh, at our next mastermind group. When's that coming up? May, May, July or something like that?
1: Right. Super. I'll be definitely there.
0: All right. Okay. Looking forward well. to meeting you face to face, Jack. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You bet. Have a good day. Mm-hmm. You too. Bye-bye. All righty. So that's it for today. Another episode of Epic Real Estate Investing in the Books. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream.